an offering from among us. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. A well-worn, familiar portion of scripture. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. <coughs> so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord, he's speaking the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Do you gather that there was a dry season? And they were experiencing some hard times? And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. I'm going to talk about a subject, and I'm going to throw the caveat here, because it is the truth. I'm going to directly connect your sacrificial giving and your giving to the blessings that come in your life. This is a subject, and I, I say it's not one of my favorite things. You don't hear me talk about money. And there's a reason for that. I have a kingdom principle with respect to money. I believe in sowing into God, and when you sow into God, God blesses you. Without seed, there's no harvest. That you've heard me say a hundred times. Without seed, there's no harvest. There's got to be seed for harvest. There's got to be rain time and then reaping time. So I don't get into it. As a matter of fact, I only heard this morning that Benny Hinn has said that he's going to stop preaching the prosperity gospel. And I applaud that. 
The reason being, one of the reasons I don't talk about this is men of God have violated this subject of giving to their own ignoring. It's almost like fleecing people. And I don't want to be attached with that stain to it. I want to be pure in my word with respect to how I preach and speak about the subject of sacrificial giving. And so over the years, we have seen an abuse in ministry. Every time people get up, it's almost like they're picking your pocket. That will not be associated with me. I do not like it. I feel something inherently wrong with it. But I will not also cause you to lose a blessing from the kingdom principle that is inherently in the word where we give sacrificially, where we give in, in essence to a response to God's word and then allow God to bless us in return. My life has borne that pattern from the earliest of days when God gave me the revelation with respect to giving. He has blessed and provided in unusual ways. And I still hold fast to that to this day. So this is a subject that I hesitate to preach on, but I have to. I will not be doing justice if I do not expose you to the blessing that comes inherently from giving to the Lord. I don't want you to believe for a second, like this is another caveat I have to throw out. I don't want you to believe for a second that I am unappreciative of what you give and what you do. In case you don't know, it keeps me alive. It meets my need so that I could meet your need. I trust wholeheartedliness, the principle of it, I believe in and stand by, and God has not failed me. Okay? I want you to know that. I appreciate everything you do. I don't want the devil to slip in here right now and say something in your ears like, oh, he just wants you to give him more money or, or raise his pay. Well, I don't have a pay. I have offering that I take and I live off of it and that's it. I don't have anything structured. So I don't want anything creeping in there to give you some kind of secondary idea or agenda. I'm preaching a whole true word of God this morning to you. I don't want to be identified with false prophet whose only goal is to bilk you of your honest money and separate you from what God has given you. Don't want that. So when it comes to preaching on money, I do have a hard time and I confess it. Because of what people have done to this subject, I have a hard time. Have I made myself clear? Yes. So yet Jesus himself understood the importance of giving to the kingdom of God and he never shook his responsibility. Let me tell you this fact. As late as yesterday, I was still researching this because I said, Lord, I want to talk about this and I want to be able to have people research it so that there's no doubt. You got to know what the Bible says. Jesus spoke more about money in the New Testament than he spoke about heaven, hell, or adultery. It is a documented, researchable fact. Out of fun yesterday, I, went, I said, Google or Siri, one of say, how many times God, the Bible talks about this, you'd be amazed. Even secular uh, platforms such as Google have information that documents and back up what I'm saying. 16 out of 38 parables deal with money. The one thing Christians don't have enough. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Think about it for a second. 
It's one thing we don't have enough. The people who have direct access to the throne room of God and to change their circumstance, it's the one thing that we suffer from the most. We don't have enough of it. Money is not wrong or bad. It's the love of money that's the root of evil. Money is good. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel deal with money and how to handle it. Check it out. It's a researchable fact. There are 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but over 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money, possessions, and how to handle them. Why is that? <laughs> if this wasn't such an important subject to God, I mean, why is that? 500 on prayer, less than 500 feet, 2,000 on money, how to handle it. It must be important to God. Our faith is closely connected to our finances. Can I get an amen? <laughs> our faith is closely connected to our finances. I've often told people that tithing is not a financial issue. I discovered that back in Texas. Tithing is not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. Faith to believe that God will do what he says he will do rather than I trying to grab onto what I have and stretch it out and hold it and hoard it. Faith is more important in that issue. Financial, tithing is not a financial. Faith is the issue. Can I let go of what I have? Hmm? This is another hard message I'm going to preach today, but not hard in terms of being crude or rude, right? Because if you can't trust God with your money, how can you trust him with your soul? Amen. See why tithing is not a financial, it's a faith issue. If I can't trust God to multiply what I have and provide for me providentially, how can I trust him with my soul? I can't let go of my money, but I want to trust it with my soul. It's a faith issue. The problem that the rich young ruler had with following Jesus was not the rules and regulations. He'd kept the law since he was a child. What kept him from following Jesus was his inability to trust Jesus with his welfare. That was his problem. Can I trust you? Ah, the rules, I got the rules down. I've been doing it since I was a little child. But oh, he had great wealth and said, oh, no, I don't know about this, God. I, I don't know about this. I, I just, this is too uncertain for me. <laughs> that dwells in the realm of faith. And so if Jesus thought it was important enough to spend the majority of his time on and God impressed holy men of old to write 2,000 scriptures on money, then I can trip my responsibility to preach on money in this pulpit. I will not abuse it. I will let you in on the secrets and the blessings of what God does. Okay? And if I'm going to preach it like Jesus did, I must also preach the benefits of giving sacrificially. Let's start with Luke 6.38. Luke Luke 6.38 Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. Watch this part. For with the same measure that you meet it with all 
shall it be measured back to you. I think to go back that go back to that again. I'm preaching. What's, what's some of the four foundational elements of our ministry and what we build on? We believe in biblical truth, generosity, worship and relationship, character and integrity. This ministry is founded on those four principles. We live by them. In other words, these are our core values. You want me to go it over again for you? Biblical truth, generosity, worship and relationship, character and integrity the cornerstones of the well church those are the things when we first came together that i established and preached and wrote a doctrine about and made known to the body at that time that was there we believe i believe those things i live by those principles and i have seen them work over and over again give and it shall in the courts today and in the media and the news, they're making big ado, and I'm having fun with it, about the word shall because of this big impeachment thing that's going on and everybody's talking about. But the Constitution says, and this says, the document shall be given to Congress. And they're exploding the word shall, a word I exploded weeks and weeks ago because it is a biblically contractual word. Shall has no variance to it. Oh, God, that's good preaching, Jeffrey. Shall have no variance to it. Shall means shall. And when God puts a shall, there is no unbreakableness about a shall. And he says, give, and it shall. That's a kingdom principle. It will not change. God is saying, I have sworn my oath to keep that word that I give to you, if you give, it shall be given to you. Then why do we negate and dumb down and throw a cold blanket on the word shall and grab a hold of our stuff because we don't believe he shall do for us what he said he would do for us? Shall is important. Shall is unbreakable. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Understand good measure? Good measure. Good measure is a hearty, and I, I know I told you this before, I'm going to quickly tell it to you again. I grew up in the old country, across the pond on the other side. Right? And, 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 and we didn't have processed and packed things like you have in the United States. So you literally went to a shopkeeper and you bought a pound of flour, a pound of rice, or a pound of sugar. And he has a big measuring scoop. Have I seen a measuring scoop? Those big commercial grade measuring scoops. And he scoops up the flour, or the rice, or the sugar, and he pours it into a brown bag. Now, one scoop will fill the bag. If that's all you're in for, it'll fill the bag. But people caught on to the scoop that the scoop unpacked in terms of good measure rises higher than the actual value and worth of the receptacle to receive. So what people, and my mama, when she sent me to the grocery, used to tell me, whenever they put the stuff in the bag, lift it up and, you know what I'm talking? Shake it down, give it a shake down, and the stuff drop, and there's a whole other half bunk can be added to it. That's the concept of good measure. Do you hear me? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, 
it even says it. Pressed down and shaken together so that it settles. <laughs> so that there's room created for more. Are you hearing me this morning? My mama didn't invent this. She taught me about it and taught me how to do it. But long before she ever came on the scene, the Bible says and explained this concept. Good measure means pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men will give to you. <laughs> oh, this is so good. I, I, I don't know. I could go home right now. <laughs> if you got just that, I can go home just right this minute. For with the same measure... That you meet. In other words, if, if you give me a container, somebody, anything, I don't care. There's a cup right here. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> For with the same measure that you gave, it will be given back to you. Don't expect more than what you give. If you don't give with good measure. This is a measure. This is a measure that you give. The least you're going to get back is this measure. You get more. It says running over. <laughs> Press down and running over. So you'll get more than the measure. But don't expect not to get equal to the measure. Are you hearing me this morning? Yes. All right. We go on. We continue. Jesus said, this giving concept that I'm talking about, it's not a tax. It's not a membership fee. When you give to the kingdom of heaven, it will come back to you. Men will give to your bosom. Hallelujah. I walk with something in my pocket this morning because I want to tell you for a little blessing. I want to tell you, be careful what you say. You will have what you say, and you will reap what you sow. That is a kingdom principle. So right here is a check. For those who are close by, I'll let you verify it's a check. And how much is it for? $595.27. Just short of $600. I don't even know who is that person. I don't. I, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> but let me tell you something about that. My dear wife and myself went to Walmart last Sunday, I think, after church. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. I'm not living in splurge and stuff. What you all do for me keeps me alive, keep the lights on, keep my bills paid and all that. So I don't have excess like I used to have when I was really rich. <laughs> so I, I, I curtail how I spend and I, I, I deliberate over everything. And so in recent months, I've cut out my cable, go with basic cable. I sell my new car, buy a used one. I'm cutting in every way I can to save money because I don't want, I don't want to come off as exorbitant and exact. Yeah, it's a good, good, it's good fiscal responsibility. Do what you can do to save and don't be wasteful and let God miracle perform itself. So last week I spent, and I know this is going to shock some of y'all, $298 at the grocery store. That's a combination of food and stuff and supplies and a couple shirts and that lovely sweater for my wife. $298. You don't understand. I don't spend that kind of money. 
That may be somebody's weekly budget. That was the month for me. <laughs> My wife has the unique ability to go to the grocery store and buy two orange, two pears, two peach, not a bag. I'm not complaining, but that's how we live. We don't waste stuff. And so it was time to replenish the supply in the house. So I'm not having all that I need to have, but I'm going, like, God, I got to do this. And so we went to the grocery store, Walmart, and we splurged. I mean, we bought food. <laughs> we bought food, okay? And the bill came up to $298. And ask her, if I like slap me down, call me out on it. We got to the cash register and I saw it and I saw it and I'm going like, to stick a shock. God, I don't have that money. And I declared right there by the cashier in front of you and the other guy that was talking to me, Lord, I want this back. I want this back. I don't have this. I want it back. My mortgage is coming up in a couple weeks. I need this back in there so I can pay my mortgage. I said, I want it back. Let me fast track this story. I want you to tell them how much money this is again. $595. $595.27. That is exactly 100% of 298. <laughs> 298 twice is 596. I declared at the cash register, God, I want this back and by the end of the month so that my mortgage, I can't be in a deficit at the end of the month, it will hurt my mortgage payment. And Thursday this week, I get a check. And what is interesting about this is it's dated the 25th of March, and the envelope had one of those yellow stickers all over it. It's been sent all around the world and didn't arrive at the same place. Send back and send back and send back since March. This was written to me in March and obviously took a trip around the world until they finally found me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to jump and holler. I said, I said, I want this back. Ah! Are you getting what I'm saying? Tithing is not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. If you believe in God. See, that comes as a result of the seeds that I sow. Even in my hour of need, I sow, I sow. And you know, this week, I went out again and said, Lord, I ain't have this, but I'm sowing seed. And I sowed to another entity for the rest of my life. What a bold move. I don't know what the future have and whether I'm going to have money to commit to it or have the funds in there. But I say, God, because of how you operate, I am going to take a bold move. You know, in the past, I did things for 12 months or two months. I did an in perpetuity giving to a, an, an entity that I know do good, good, good work with curing and children and sickness and illnesses and cancer. And stuff. They do good work and, and, and lots of Christians benefit from it. So I found, I prayed, I asked God, give me some. And I said, I'm doing it. And I put no restrictions, no withholding on it for the rest of my life. As long as I walk and breathe, 
that outfit gets to tax my checking account every single month. Why, Jeff? Why? Because if you give, it shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over will men give into your bosom. Will men who you don't even know send you a check that is legit. And how I know it's legit? I put it in the bank and it cleared. It's legit. <laughs> it wasn't a bogus check. It wasn't a Nigerian scan. It was real money and it's in my account. May I go on? The payoff not only comes financially, but in so many other words. Jesus said that who, wherever your heart is, your treasure will be there too. In other words, what you love, you will invest in. Remember a couple weeks ago, you were telling people on a Thursday night, you got to invest in here. If you love here, you invest in here. This is good soil. I am bragging on me. This is good soil. I trust God. I honor God. I believe in God. I take bold faith moves in God. And if God blesses me, by extension, he will bless you. If I'm the priest of this house and God ministers his blessing to me, it can only run downstream unto you. Invest in it. I'm not here to beat up anybody. Don't get this wrong. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. But I'm here today because it's time for me to challenge all of us to find out what it is we love. And if that's God's kingdom and his work, then it's time to invest in it. If you love God's kingdom and his work, invest in it. I need to move. We need to move. Our growth is strategically tied to our location. It's time we move to the next level in terms of a place to receive all of us and expand our ministries and develop other downstream ministries and children and youth and all that kind of stuff. We've been preparing for the last year. It's time to move. If you love God's kingdom, invest in God's kingdom. It will return to you 1,000 fold. I simply, I should have said, God, I wanted 100 fold on that bill that I just spent, but I limited myself. I said, I want this back. <laughs> and I got it back yeah. with 100% increase, 100% increase. I got it back. What if I had said, Lord, I set me for less than 1,000% receipt <laughs> return on this. Dear God, the one place the one place God was so bold to dare himself, to endear us and challenge us is in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. He says, do this thing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat. Bring it so there will be provision for others. Are you hearing me? Yes. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there will be goods provision in the house uh, that's that's okay that's all right i like that here's the next statement do this and prove me he said god said i dare you i double dog dare you test me in this you give me something and if i don't give back to you a hundredfold then you can walk away from me he says i double dog dare you test me prove me in this is there any other place in the bible god says to prove him just prove him. 
proving in what you do, what you give, how you sacrificially bring stuff into my house and see if I wouldn't open the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon you that you won't have room enough to contain, just like the widow woman. Give me that little bit of oil and that little bit of flour, and I promise you, you will never run dry. Your barrel will always be full. Prove me in this. Give me what you think you can't afford to give me. I'm going to preach a message from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's going to open your eyes. Been working on it for about four weeks now. There is a concept about giving, especially for people who don't feel they have enough. There's a sense in which God, uh, 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 let me get back on track. I I'll get it. <laughs> I'll get it. I'm using the text that I read today in 1 Kings chapter 17 to illustrate some things that we never noticed before. When Elijah had a need, he came to God's people. You hear me? When Elijah had a need, he came to God's people. He didn't go to the bank. He didn't go to the financial powerhouse and the stock market. He came to God's people. I'm telling you, it's God's plan for his people to take care of the needs in his house. I don't need to go borrow another loan. Oh, you might say, well, why not? And the rest of us do. I walk in faith. I could borrow another loan yet to probably buy a house if I needed one. Because I ain't walking around with a quarter million dollars to buy a house. So I probably need to go to the bank, I suppose. And then honor my commitment to pay it back, right? When Elijah had that need, he went to God's people. Go up there to Zarephath and you would find a widow woman. <laughs> it's not a woman with a two house income <laughs> or a three income household. This is a widow woman with her little child. And if you read the backstory, she was the wife of a prophet who had since died. The honor of the prophet will reap great benefits in the lives of those who it touches. Her husband was a prophet. She is now finding herself a widow. And, and she has just this little bit. And Elijah is told by God. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, go to Zarephath and you'd find a widow woman. Why he didn't say go and knock on the door of Rockefeller? <laughs> he wanted to illustrate something so powerful. Go knock on the door. And you're going to find this widow woman waiting for you. She is going to supply your need. So when he had a need, he went to God's people. Well, let me back that up by scripture. Exodus chapter 35, verse number 5. Exodus 35, verse number 5. Here it is. Here it is. This is where the title of my message comes from. This was so revolutionary there under. This was like blow up in your soul kind of covered thing. <laughs> this was blow up in your soul word. Exodus 35, Verse 5, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver and bronze. In other words, whatever you have. So some people might think, oh, but I ain't got no money. But maybe I have something that is of great value 
and precious and somehow I can surrender it and the increase of it, I can bring it to the house of the Lord. It wasn't doing anything. It was just sitting there. You always held on to it. I'm just generalizing conversation. I'm suggesting that. But you understand what I'm saying? Because he's saying, bring gold if you got gold. Bring silver if you got silver. Bring bronze if you had bronze. When I first started out in the ministry, I was preacher poor. You know, preacher poor back in those days, 50 years ago, preacher poor. So my members used to bring me eggs and chicken. You hear what I'm saying? That was an offering unto the Lord. That's how I ate. <laughs> chicken and the egg. I ate both of them. <laughs> it was an offering. It wasn't cash. But it had a cash value. Are you hearing me? The things you give to the Lord have a cash value. We even use it in 501Cs. We give things to the Lord and we call it a gift in kind. So somebody offers a whole new refrigerator to the church or an office set to the church. It's not money, but it's worth money. And even the government and the IRS recognizes it as a gift in kind and says, okay, that guy gave you a refrigerator and an office and he says it's worth $1,000. He gets to get a $1,000 write-off on his taxes. He didn't give you any cash. But he gave you a gift. Bring gold, bring silver, bring bronze, bring whatever it's worth to the house. Something that's sitting there ain't doing anything can be converted into a cash value and be given to the house of the Lord for its future benefit and monetary gain. The Lord desires an offering from among us. That's what the scripture says. He says, Go and take an offering from among the people. Are you getting that this morning? Yes. I don't need <laughs> to go borrow $10,000 just to help us to make it. I've never done that in ministry. And I've watched God provide hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy buildings and properties and set me debt free within two years. Oh, glory, hallelujah. I have a million dollars, well, not anymore, I have a million dollar property in Oklahoma that is debt free that I converted over to another company before I left. I didn't come here with a baggage of debt on a million dollar property. God saw to it. Hallelujah! Hear my girly voice? Hallelujah! Ow! God saw to it that when I left that city to come to this city, I carried no financial baggage or debt with me. A million dollar property paid off in an instant. I believe what I'm saying. I live what I'm saying. I trust God. Now, I know the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. But before God will command a sinner to sustain the church, he desires the church people to sustain the church. Don't walk around expecting and quoting, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. No, 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 no. Fix it here first. Don't expect the old sinner to come in and just pay your bill when you can't pay your own bill. Ah, you you, you got to pay your own bill. You got to support God's house yourself before you decide to tag on a sinner's heart. Go, go so into them. Go give them a big ring. I've seen it happen over and over again. But it has happened in response to the faithfulness and the sacrifice that we make first. Don't go beat up the neighbor children until you correct your own. 
God taught me that lesson many, many, many years ago. Stop correcting other people's children until you correct your own children. Don't go telling them about stuff and you got the devil in hell living in your own house. So God told me long time. You heard me say this over and over again growing up. I ain't correcting nobody's children before I correct my own children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Take care of your business. Take care of your business. So Elijah goes to the little widow woman and asks for an offering. And God is still commanding his people to support his work. To support this work. And then listen to what God said. I have commanded. That's a kind of shouting composite word. You know, it goes along with the shout concept. I commanded this woman to sustain you. So God says, tell Elijah, go over there. I already took care of this. I put it in the heart. <laughs> I put it in the heart of that woman to be receptive to your prophetic ministry. I told her ahead of time, you ain't got to go cold calling. I already talked to her to respond to you when you make the demand. I already did that. Can I get a witness? God has already done some things that you have not been accessing or been afraid to access. God has already commanded a blessing. God has commanded Cassandra a new day. He commanded it. This was not a suggestion. You, God, commanded a new day. This is not a suggestion. God commanded a new day. He commanded. He commanded. Wake up and walk into what God has said. It's going to be this way because I said it's going to be this way. Amen. Amen. Clap if you want to clap that half-hearted thing. You either clap or don't clap. Come on. <laughs> But you get my message, right? Yeah? He said, I did that already. So now, when Elijah got there, this poor woman, she had no clue what he was talking about. Yet God said, in the spirit, already commanded it. She's going to wake up to my command when the word comes out of his mouth. Woo! When I speak the word, the blessing that I command will respond to what I say. I've already ordered it. You need to say it to activate it, to make it come alive. Are you hearing me this morning? I commanded her. She is clueless. But when Elijah said it, word meet hidden deposit in the heart, and they both came alive and said, we got to do this. Boy. I'm going to go home and go to bed. <laughs> but wake up in time to watch the cowboys whip the seats. <laughs> How did God command her? Through the voice of the prophet. What did I say this morning to several people? I prophetically said what I heard God say to me. 
new day. And when I said it, it didn't dawn on me till about a minute or two after the word Rosh Hashanah dropped into my spirit. The beginning of the Jewish New Year. And I'm a buff in Jewish study and Israel study. I throw my anchor there. And today is that day. What a coincidence that we are in the house of the Lord on the day of Rosh Hashanah to receive and activate the new revealing year of the Lord in our lives. What happened? It was activated when he said it. It was activated when he said it. God commanded her through the voice of his prophet because this woman responded to Elijah. She was blessed. She took this as a word directly from the Lord. When I say this is a new day, I trust you will take that as a word directly from the Lord. Look, bypass me. I was just the messenger that brought your word. It's not about what I said. I don't have no power to do anything or change. But what I said through God activates the blessing. And I said that God said this is a new day because that's what he spoke into my spirit. New day. Hit the default button. New day. I walk out from this building this morning and I walk into my future with boldness and confidence that I'm walking in a new day and with each new day comes a sunrise. And all things are not yet fully revealed in the sunrise. But the beauty of the sunrise is that it morphs into a full sunshine. And then when the cloud and things burn away and, and it gets to, to, to noonday, in, in the height of the day, that sunrise just sheds its brilliance over everything. So it proceeds from dawn to high noon. <laughs> it proceeds from dawn to high noon, the new day moves from the cracking of the sun, which says to you, oh, new day. But it doesn't stay there. It moves into all its brilliance, high noon, and it continues till sunset. Light to light, the blessings of the Lord. What is a day for you? I don't know. God blessed her because she responded to him. He came to her, right, in her time of greatest need. He came to her in the time of her greatest need. She had already made up her mind. Oh, God is so good. She had already made up her mind. Going home, mix up a little cake, flour, eat. Me and my boy, we're going to lay down and die. God put a word in a person who is in a desperate circumstance. God snooped in on her life story and decided, you are a ripe candidate for a blessing today, but here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> You're getting this. <laughs> says, you are ripe for a blessing today. In the middle of your need, when it's most difficult to give, he says, this is when I want to show you how good I am. I want to show off in you. You ain't got nothing but a little bit of oil and some flour, and your mindset is, eat it, lay down and die. Don't tell the boy we're in trouble. Let's just lay down and starve to death. This is it. We're done. And God heard that conversation. He said, not today. Not today. 
not today, not today, not today. No lady, you ain't about to lay down and die, not today, not today. I'm going to perform a miracle at the hands of the prophet because I commanded the prophet to come see you and I put in your heart without you even knowing that this word is going to come to life in your life when you heard the prophetic word. When you get the prophetic word, something's going to resonate in your spirit. Those two things are going to come alive and God's blessing is going to shoot through the heavens. Man. Hmm. He came to her in the hour of her greatest need. Not when she had extra, but when she was in her greatest need. I know many of you probably say, but uh, you don't know. I'm having financial difficulty. Take a number down the line. <laughs> don't you know I lost my job? Don't you know they cut back on my overtime? That extra little something, something I used to make by working myself to death. Don't you know I don't have any extra right now? Yes, I know all of that. And like Elijah, I feel somewhat hesitant to ask. But I know if I don't, I'll be robbing you of a blessing. Her blessing came in her hour of need. And if God didn't command Elijah to deal with her in her hour of need, he would have robbed her of a blessing. You could say amen right there. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> Elijah hmm, didn't know what was going to happen to this woman. He didn't know that. Do you realize he's walking in faith also? What if God decided not to do what he said he's going to do? Oh, but he had a shall promise inside him. And God said, I commanded that woman. Elijah don't have a clue how this thing is going to turn out, except that God said, go, and she'll be there. And based on that simple commandment, I'm going to go, right? And so, 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 so he stepped into faith. I believe when a prophetic word comes forth, hear me, hear me. Write this down as one of them truths that I will tell you. I believe when a true prophetic word comes forth, God obligates himself to fulfill that prophetic word. When I said this is a new day, that is not resident in me to make that happen. God will obligate himself because he gave me a word while I was standing here and say, tell him a new day. God will now obligate himself to make that happen, not me. I just did what he said. I know I heard his voice and he says, new day, new day. And in saying new day, God obligates himself to make that prophetic word come to pass. So in simple faith, Elijah stepped out and he told her that her cruise of oil will never run dry, nor that her barrel will never be empty, but he couldn't back it up. He stepped out in faith. He couldn't back that up. God had to back that up. Remember this story start out, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, for there I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. Don't forget how this story started. So he had to step out in faith. Yes, he had to step out in faith, right? Here, he didn't have a tanker truck full of oil waiting somewhere around the corner by the back road there. 
Not outside a door, not a dump truck waiting with the meal and all that kind of stuff. He was stepping out in the same faith as she was stepping out. That two faith promises in this story that is so powerful. He had to step out in faith that God says, I'm sending that woman to take care of you. She had to step out in faith. Do I give this man the last piece of stuff I have and then what? You have to step out in faith. That God says what he says he says and you'll do what he says he do. And you've got to believe that. Remember, by faith, I'm going to remind you again. I know it's only about 20 minutes earlier. I reminded you again. I commanded and spoke out of my voice loudly. I want this back. By the end of the month. <laughs> Whoa. There's some boldness. Not having a clue where it's going to come from. Not having a clue. And then some stranger since the 25th of March. <laughs> oh God, this is so good. You're gonna understand how good this is. God knew in September, I'll be running low towards the end of the month. And in March, he lined up something for the end of September. You all, you're, not, you're not getting this. I'm gonna just pack my bag and go home. He lined up something in March to take place in September when I would be having a little bit of a desperation. I'm going, oh God, what am I going to do here now? And so out of that are some words that says, I want this back by the end of the month. Mm. <laughs> 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 I need to hustle on here. But he did what he was told by God. And when the man of God did his duty and the people of God did their duty, God blessed beyond measure. Okay, my fourth point. He asked her for everything, not her surplus. Not for surplus. He said, give me what you have. He knew the return was going to be a thousandfold plus a thousandfold. So in that circumstance, he said, give me what you have. Just, just trust me. Give me what you have. That needs a revelation right there. Just give me what you have. Remember the lady with the two mites? That's all she had. But that was worth more than the richest people in that city on that day. Because they were going to give out of their surplus. She gave everything she had. Hmm? I am preaching this morning. <laughs> he didn't ask her for a leftover. He asked for what she was going to live on. Give me what you plan to live on. See, I am being very careful about what I say that is biblical truth. Because I don't want anybody coming out here with some false guilt complex that, oh, Pastor, you asked me to take my mortgage and give it to you. No, I don't want that. Your mortgage is to pay your bills. I want you to become homeless because of me. No. No. I want you to trust God. There is a portion of your money that is dedicated to certain things that you have to do every single month. I will never require of you to abandon what you had to do to give to me or give to the church. That's nonsense. And preachers who tell people, just, just, just call in with your credit card. I hate that with a passion. I don't want anybody to give any money to this church on a credit card. 
Well, but that's why I stand. Use your debit card if you have to. That's cash in your checking account. Use your credit card and then pay 25% interest on top of that and struggle. No, no, no. Give from what you have. I'm not going to ask you to use your credit card to give money. It's just, well, you might disagree with me. It's, just, it's a personal thing that I have. It's just a personal thing with me. Yes? I think God invented it to be that way. Borrow money and give it. <laughs> when I find a scripture, I'll quote it. But until I haven't found one yet. When the overtime is coming on a regular, right? Or we have some side jobs or things are going well. Then there's extra money in the bank. It's easy to give during those times. It's not easy. But God, what is God asking for? He's asking for a sacrificial giving. And after hurt a cause to be sacrificial. Giving that dips into a living. Listen, I am absolutely for, instead of going to the movie theater and buying 10 pounds of ice cream, whatever it is, it's pleasure forsaking that and give it to the Lord. I'm not asking you to give up your mortgage. That's just bad preaching, in my estimation. If you have a word to contradict it, be sure to address it to me. I just don't believe in that. I don't like that. Daniela, my son and others here could tell you, what was the one thing that the church always, as a matter of fact, they got to the point where they had a big sign, one of those um, things that they move, use on TV sets. What do you call it again? A teleprompt? Uh, what? Cue cards. cards. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. I remember Aaron. Aaron used to be at the back of the church and without failure, I don't know, it's almost like it was a curse, but it wasn't. I would never, ever remember to take the offering in my church. And so they finally caught on and they made a cue card this big. <laughs> and I'm about to pronounce the benediction and Aaron will do like this. Offering, the offering. Because <laughs> that's not where my heart is or was. I don't go there. And my own church, which was very prosperous, had to remind me every week, dude, take up the offering. It's not where I live. Are you hearing me? I'm not boasting. That is an actual history of my life. I don't beat you up with stuff like that. I don't believe in that. I believe if you get the miracle of this revelation that give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. I want you to get that. You give, you're going to get it back. You give, you're going to get it back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. You give, you're going to get it back. Listen, listen to Mark chapter 12 verses. 41 to 44. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. And behold how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. And said unto them, Verily, truly, I say unto you, this poor widow had cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in, the, in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, 
even all her living. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. She gave what she had. All of it. The other people were giving from their abundance and surplus. And he says, all that don't mean nothing to me. Like this woman who take the two mites <laughs> that she had. That was her living money. But she sowed it in. She understood a kingdom principle. This is all I got. But then what I got is nothing. So I'm going to exchange nothing for something for God's riches. And I'm going to throw in the little that I have, knowing that God is going to return a manifold blessing upon me. Hmm? Yeah. This precious lady gave not only her living, but all of her living. Uh -huh. Please, understand what I said. Again, I... I, I I'd rather be redundant and over self-correcting. I'm not asking you to go and surrender your mortgage and bring it. Because that's not what I'm asking you to do. But I'm saying that old song is true for the older folks, remember? You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. The greatest blessings come when we give from our living, not our abundance. I made a pledge. I made a sacrifice. I, I, I show a seed. <laughs> Not money that I have. I said from now till I die, may this go to your cause, Lord. And by so doing, guess what I just did? If God is going to have that bill paid, he better send some money my way. <laughs> I made it under promise that he's going to back up a future promise that I have made. And I'm not going to be embarrassed when they try to tax my debit card and it comes up empty. I am making a promise to secure my future that God has already gone into my future and released a blessing to come into my now so that every month when those pledges are due, there will be money to pay it. I didn't have money waiting and stacked up and say, okay, well, this will last for the next 20 years. Let me divide this, that, 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 between the 20, you two, okay, I can give $20. No, no. This is, I don't know what I'm going to have tomorrow, but today I am promising my tomorrow to you in faith. You will do something about it. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? Okay. Okay. The greatest blessing comes when we give from our living and not from our. In fact, David, David, David was preparing a blessing one day in 2 Samuel chapter 24. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David was preparing to offer a sacrifice on the threshing floor. Of, um, what that guy named? Aruna, 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 I think, yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Um, and, and, and the guy offered to give David, the animals for the sacrifice, right? In 2 Samuel chapter um, 24, he promised, well, I'm going to give you all the animals for the sacrifice. And what David said, he said, I can't take that from you. He said, I ain't taking nothing for the lost heart that didn't cost you something. I'm not taking your free cows. 2 Samuel chapter 24, read the story there. How can I just come before the Lord and offer a sacrifice that did not cost anything? The very nature of the word sacrifice means it costs something. 
That's what a sacrifice is. It has to cost you something. If all you do is out of your surplus, it's not costing you anything and it does not constitute a sacrifice. If you get these kingdom principles, your, your, your basket will always be full. Will always be full. Hmm? Verse 24, and the king said unto Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth not cost me anything. There, that's the scripture. Second China chapter 24, verse 24. It's called 24-24 vision. Or is that 20-20 vision? This is 24-24 vision. And giving God nothing that didn't cost me nothing. That's not a sacrifice. Because they were at the temple to offer sacrifices. How do you offer something free and call it a sacrifice that didn't cost you nothing? It's contradicting the very nature of the word sacrifice. And David says, I understand you want to give something to the Lord. No, no, no. I can't make that offering. I can't do that. Whew. Let me wind this up. Finally. If the woman had not given everything, <laughs> do you realize she would have died in a few days? Did that ever dawn on any of us? What did she say before she gave it? I am going to eat it and die. Oh boy, that is so big. If she did not give that offering, she was going to die. <laughs> That'll preach right on her. She was going to die. She had prepared herself to die. But she gave instead and she lived and fed the whole neighborhood. If she tried to figure out how to solve her own problem and been stingy with what the little that she had left, she would have died. But because she trusted God, gave everything that she had, she lived for the rest of her days with all her needs provided. You know, sometimes we, we take up the newspaper and we score through that part of the newspaper, the classified ads, and we surf the net and all kinds of stuff, looking for job and money-making opportunities and figuring out ways to do this and to do that. Uh, I'm not against that, but I'm telling you that there is a process a lot of us has forgotten, and it's how to sacrificially trust God. That's a process we've forgotten. How do I sacrificially trust God? You know? What's my first option? Let me go get a second job, and a third job, and a fourth job. And your family suffers because you're not home. Yeah. Your kids suffer, you're not home. I remember when I, when I was chasing that almighty dollar, and I was doing good, and I had huge contracts with foreign governments and stuff, and those were the days when we, we, we lived debt-free, Josiah. We used, to, we used to go mudding in a Jeep Grand Cherokee, the top of the line Jeep, we used to take it off-road. We had money to burn and show off. <coughs> but that came at a cost. I had to leave him. And sometimes I'm overseas for a month and two months at a time. I'm chipping away at that almighty dollar. I gotta pay my debts and, you know, and, and yes, we owned everything we had, man, every car, every, we owed nothing. And one day, 
I landed at DFW airport. And there's this Mr. Little Man right there. As I broke out the gate, all I can hear coming through the airport was, Daddy! And these two little legs, <laughs> and he's coming at me. And he connected. Whew! Because <laughs> he was very little. <laughs> and some of y'all got that, the rest of y'all done it. He connected. He was excited to see me. He, he had missed me and he, he screamed. He couldn't care who was around. And I heard a man saying, somebody missing somebody. This is a stranger, just total stranger. Just watch him coming and me say, well, somebody misses somebody. Bet you do, he did. And then I got him and, and, and we, we're going home. And he said to me, with tears in his little eyes, he said, daddy, I miss you when you're gone. I don't like it when you're not here. And I quit my overseas job immediately. Because I was making the money. But at the expense of a little boy who misses his dad so much, ain't no money could make up for if I had neglected that. Today, I am so proud of my son, but I could have blown it back then if I had valued money over him. You hear me this morning? You can't beat the investment program that God is in charge of. You can't beat that. If we continue on the way we're going, we're going to get deeper in a hole. But we need to give sacrificially and let God take care of us. Okay, I have one scripture and I'm done, literally. Here's what it says in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verses 2, 3 level. Let me read through that and we can wind this up. Haggai, chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, the temple. It ain't time for that. That's what the people are saying. Oh, that's offensive to the Lord. Now let's take care of this stuff. Forget the church and that building program and all that stuff he's talking about. The time ain't come for that yet. So the Lord sent this message through the prophet. Remember the prophet? He gets a word from God and he comes to that message. The Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. And it says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruin? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. Really, take a good look at are you winning? <laughs> Take a good look at how things how consider how things are going for you right now. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You have food to eat, but not enough to fill you up. You have wine to drink, but not enough to satisfy your thirst. You have clothing to wear, but not enough to keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. Now go up into the hill, bring down timber, bring the resources, bring the resources, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but you were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? 
because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord Almighty. While you are all busy building your own fine houses, that is why the heavens have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its crop. Woo, that is serious. You, say, you mean you're having this lean season because you have withheld on me and so I decide to withhold on you? I think that's the concept he's trying to tell you. I have called for a drought on your fields and your hills, a drought to wither the green and the grapes and olives and all your other crops, a drought to starve both you and your cattle and to ruin everything you have worked for to get so hard. Why? Because you fail to honor my house and the things of my kingdom. These are kingdom principles that if you get, you will prosper. I have been charged by the Spirit in the last few weeks, like I said, and I did a lot of stuff to cause cut because I'm not going to be guilty of living in abundance and splurging and neglecting God's stuff. I'm going to give it to the Lord and have him multiply it. So God's been literally on me saying, make sure you do all you can do so that I can do all that I can do. Because until you let go of what's in your hand, God ain't gonna let go what is in his hand. <laughs> so I gotta let go what's in my hand so that God can let go what's in his hand. And so I've been diligent. Uh, all them TV channels, I don't need that could go. <laughs> you know, revamp my insurance and cut stuff off, right? There's my insurance agent, cut this off and cut this off. Cut back this, cut back that. Cut down that bill. Uh, Car payment, this one, new car, sell it, buy a used one. Because, you know, pride in me that I have to drive a, drive a 2019. I don't have to do that. There was a day when I could do that. That end this day right now. And the day right now is a day of responsibility. Get rid of those stuff. And then trust God with what is left over and give generously to him. And watch God do what I say. Hmm? Watch God do what I say, right? So I was going to do all these things. I'm doing all these things. And then the Lord, by the Spirit, prompted me. Have you gone to the people who I have laid at your charge, who look to you for spiritual guidance, spiritual covering, and spiritual blessings associated with your life that I put upon you? Have you taken the need to them? I was working out all kinds of details. And the Lord says, I put a blessing right in front of you. It's called Kim and Daniela and Rhonda and Aisha and Isabel and Charlie and said Christine and James and oh I could go through. God said, I put a treasure right in front of you. Have you preached this word to them? Have you told them of the truth of the kingdom principle that give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, good measures shall men give to you? He said, you, you, yes, I, I applaud you for trying to be responsible and fiscal, but did you take the word to them? Like I read in Exodus 35, 5, take an offering from among the people. This is where I'm vested. Have you taken it to them? Do you hear my heart this morning? Yes. I am telling you what works. And I'm telling you to share in the blessing of commanding your days and your future and your finances. I am telling you how to command it. 
right? What works? And so while I was trying to be fiscal, God just says, did you ask them? Now, I could have done this another way. I could have get on a private text and say, Isabel, can you hit me up with some, some here? And I share, can you run an extra 200? Or this one, or Kim, you know, slide a little something to the brother here. <laughs> Crystal, you've been doing well all these months helping me. Can you, can you chop in a little some, something here? Because things are... No, I take the word to you. I take the word to you. I take the word to you. I could have manipulated the situation. I could have called you with a big sad story. I ain't got my mortgage and I can't pay it. I just trust God will speak to you and say something to your heart. My responsibility is to preach the word to you. Biblical truth. I've given you the word. Do something with it. Hmm? So I said, Lord, everybody hurt me. Everybody hurting. You know, this one I have that and that one told me last week thing. I said, God, this is not the best time. And the Lord said to me, This is the best time. Out of their need, they need to sow seed. This is the best time. I'm gonna end it here. But first, I want to pray. I mean, I'm put up to do sacrifice, to do seed sowing. Change it. Change it. Trust God. He says, prove me in this. Prove me. Test me. He says, I'm asking you to give me something and prove who I am. If I don't give it back to you, then you can walk away. He said, but prove me. This is the one place God says, test me in finances. Test me in finances. Bring it into my house and watch me multiply it back to you. Let us pray. I'm gonna end there. Father God, I said what you told me to say. I responded to your word, and I'm passing on the kingdom principle, Father God, as found in Luke chapter six and verse 38, that if we give, it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. Lord, share this secret. Show this secret. Open this word that there is a kingdom principle for dealing with finances. And it's simply this. Give it to the Lord and let him multiply it back to you. So Father God, I ask for the spirit of giving to readjust our thinking, our priorities. Lord, especially for those of us who are standing in need of a great big miracle from God. This is the moment, Lord, for them to test, prove, and try you. And Lord, reap the benefits of this kingdom principle. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.